We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like you're never gonna see us again. PM and Pure Gold is once again live and on the air for this Tuesday night, March 13th, 2012. Welcome once again to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Pacino, along with my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez. Sir, how are you tonight? Doing wonderful, sir. Excited for this episode to get underway. We've got an action-packed show for you tonight, sir. And for our audience, we have up-and-coming actress Laura Jean Salerno. We will be discussing the Peyton Manning sweepstakes. We'll be talking about the Mets' woes. They're already hurt and sick, and spring training is only half over, so that's got to be some bad news. Linsanity is dead in the tri-state area. We'll talk about John Cena's rap and the rock concert from last night's Raw. But most of all, tonight, folks, pure gold, everybody out there, we are celebrating episode number 99. How about that, sir? I, I tell you, it's amazing. You know, Joe, when we started this back in December, uh, December 10th to be exact of 2010, I thought to myself, oh, you know, wow, this is going to be good to see how long this lasts. I actually thought back then when we were doing 30-minute shows, this bad boy wasn't going to go very long. But, uh, man, 100 episodes later which is next week, of course. Uh, it's been over a year now. It's just amazing. It's absolutely amazing, and I am just, I'm happy. I love it. You know, Pure Gold, this is uh, my baby, other than my actual baby. This is my <laughs> other baby. Right. <laughs> this is your baby that's that's actually older than your real baby. <laughs> yes, yes, it is by about a year or so. <laughs> now, sir, oh, before we introduce our yes. guest, let's give out the contact information. Well, technically, you already introduced our guest, but folks, make sure you check out the greatest show of all time, Pure Gold, on our website, puregoldpg.com. You can check out our Twitter. Joe and I both have our individual accounts. Joe never goes on. I'm always on. In fact, cool. my wife says that I need Twitter anonymous, but that's yeah. the point. Along with that, you can also check out our Pure Gold Facebook and, of course, our YouTube. And most importantly, you can tune into us on iTunes. You can subscribe. Check out our show. It's free. And if it's free, it's for me, as I always like to say. But, folks, to call in tonight and any other night, 714-364-4721. But without further ado, without further delay, we're going to get to our guest for this evening. Folks, we are very proud and privileged to have up-and-coming actress. And quite amazingly enough, someone that I graduated high school with 13 years ago. Um, when I saw, yeah, it, it is amazing. And of course, when I get, you know, we introduced Laura Jean Salerno uh, for the evening. Laura, how are you doing this lovely evening? Hi there. How are you guys? Hello. We, hey, Laura. <laughs> we're doing awesome. We're doing great. We're really happy to have you on. It's funny because um, this, this, I don't believe in coincidences. I know most people do, but this whole thing came about. When I was on Twitter one day, and uh, you know, I was checking out somebody else. Joe and I, we like to get um, different types of guests. We've had a lot of athletes, wrestlers. I mean, beauty pageant winners, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to have more actors and actresses. So I was looking up some another actress, and over in the right hand corner, it says up and coming actresses. So I see one on the left, uh, brunette. I'm like, oh, you know, let me, she kind of sort of looks familiar. Let me click on her. Maybe I've seen her in something. And all of a sudden, IMDb pops up. And it's you, 
And I recognized the name immediately because I don't know about you, but uh, every so often I like to go look at the old, uh, the old Clifton High School yearbook from 1999 and wonder what people are up to. But exactly. You know, immediately I was like, wait a minute, she was blonde back then, so is this her? Could this possibly be her? It's such a, you know, I don't know anybody else with that name, so I'm thinking it has to be her. And lo and behold, it, it is you. It, it's you it's from me. high school. <laughs> Laura, you know, it's, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's so amazing. And, you know, I, one of my friends who also graduated with us, we always talk about, you know, what became of people? Where did they go? Where did they end up? Who followed their dreams? And you, obviously, this must have been a dream of yours even back back in the day because, you know, you've done some stuff on the screen. And, you know, tell us a little bit about that. How did you get into acting, and when did you know personally that this is what you wanted to pursue as a career? Oh, wow. Um, I've probably known that I wanted to be in the entertainment business my whole life, um, starting out as a dancer and a singer. And then when we were in high school, I was a part of the band and the drum majorette and the choir program and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and then I went to school at Rutgers. I went to Mason Gross, and I went to school for theater. So that was my big my big push. Wow. It, you know, it's amazing. Uh, when I was studying what to – when I was looking into schools and things, I ended up being a fine art major, and I looked at the Mason Gross School of the Arts because when I see that, I'm thinking, oh, wow, Rutgers, you know, let me go there. But that's not what it's for. It's for theater and things like that. I noticed on your IMDb that you ended up studying what? abroad in London, unless that is incorrect. What was no, that like? No, that's totally correct. Totally correct. I did. Um, <laughs> I was super, super fortunate um, to go abroad and study at Lon- in London. I studied at the Globe Theater for a year over there um, with our school. We had a year abroad, and it was a lot of corsets and wigs, and <laughs> honestly, <Wow>. probably <laughs> uh, one of the most proudest moments as an actor, getting to be on stage and working under some really amazing wickedly talented um hardcore actors over there so it was really amazing training ground uh getting to work on that kind of dialogue and getting to do that on a regular basis and just kind of live that life and of course hang out at the pubs (laughs) and all that kind of stuff too um but the work was was wonderful training ground and something that i obviously fell in love with and wanted to continue so yeah, I kept going at it, which was which was really cool, and I, I wanted to follow my passion, so to say. Wow, Laura, can, I'm looking at your filmography over here, and um, yeah, there's you know four different things here, but the one that I could, you know, the one that I recognize is The Mentalist. Now, um, <laughs> would you say that um, your other um, three other things on the filmography here helped you get the Mentalist role? Absolutely, totally. Um, the others were done, I mean, a few were done in New York. Tony and Tina's Wedding was a big um, film at the Tribeca Film Festival, which is a, a big festival out in New York, um, and facilitated a lot of work. And actually, that was part of the reason why I came out to L.A. years ago. Um, okay. I got a nice push from my agents and my manager um, at the time to kind of make that move and make that transition out here, because it is New York and L.A., different beasts, of course. Um, but from being out here for so long and getting to know a bunch of the casting directors around town. I have a great relationship with that office, and I was fortunate to to book that part. They actually kept calling me in and bringing me in and bringing me in until I actually booked with them. So I think I've auditioned for that office and that show a bunch of times before I actually booked it, which was really, really great and 
and wonderful, but they kept bringing me back. So it was a fun shoot. I actually got to drive a Bentley, which was pretty rad <laughs> for it. Oh, wow. I have not heard that word since we were in high school. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> um, Bringing it back you know, for you. Of course, of course. Now, when I was looking up your filmography also, I, I noticed Tony and Tina's wedding and uh, Mila Kunis was in that. So well, I, I'd like to get back to the mentalist in a second because that would probably be like yeah. the more notable one. But what was that like working with her? I mean, what did you do in that role? Mila Kunis, oh, God, she's great. She's such a sweetheart. She was lovely, lovely. Um, Tony and Tina's wedding was basically based on an actual wedding. So we were, you know, I was in the wedding party with her, and I, I played a character called Vicky, which they changed my name, I think. I don't even know what it says on there now. Um, but, but, yeah. It's baby it was doll, one of, by the way. It's his baby doll. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, originally, I was named Vicky, um, but they could probably call me baby doll. That makes sense, too. Uh, yeah, so I was in, in the wedding party with her, and uh, I was an employee of her father's. I think that was my part. I was doing a lot of dancing on tables and doing pretend drugs, you know, all that kind of good <laughs> stuff, drinking fake, wow. fake beer, a lot of O'Doul's, and smoking horrible cigarettes. Um, but she was she's delightful and lovely even back then and at the time we were talking about boyfriends and you know girl things and uh, <laughs> she was really lovely and super professional and just a, a really it was a fun experience it was my first experience um, uh, doing a feature film I had done soaps before a little bit of, of soap work before that but um, this was my first big budget feature to be a part of so that was really cool so I just soaked it in, basically. <laughs> Laura, my my wife watches all the soaps on Channel Two, CBS. What what soap by uh, by chance were you on? I did a small little part on Guiding Light back in the day, and then okay. as wow. well as All My Children. So were you on a quick little, one? Just for a quick little one day thing. Did you beat up like um, Bianca or something? No, no, oh no. Cool. What a fool. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was fun. Again, yeah. <laughs> Good time. I, I gotta Those ask. Cute little one lighters. <laughs> Right. I got to ask, though, because, you know, every job has its, its its good points and its bad points. What would you say is the most difficult thing about acting or just the most, you know, the thing that you dread about being an actress? Um, that I dread about being an actor. Goodness. I think I love doing it so much. I think the only kind of dread that I would have in my life is I, I want to work all the time. I, I mean, that's, I oh, guess, well. is the dread is is when do I get to do it again? Um, so I think it's finding opportunities that I can incorporate it in my life on a regular basis. And, you know, I'm in uh, theater companies and I'm producing my own work and um, getting projects Ooh. up off the ground. So I just think... I think dead time or, or not being able to do it on a regular basis would only be the downfall for me. I don't mind okay. the long hours. I love getting to play and, and be different characters. I think that's great. And if there's one role that you want to aspire, like a one role that you love to do, like if it's like a, a romantic movie or a comedy or horror, what, what would you say is your favorite? Oh, wow. Um, great question. <laughs> um, I Goodness, I would say something that I, somebody that I would love to work with or work uh, on a project with would be probably two different people. One would be Aaron Sorkin. I'm a big okay. West Wing girl, and I love his dialogue. 
Um, I think he's amazing, so I think that would be an awesome treat to get to work with him one day. And then uh, Tina Fey would be my other. I think That's she's great. hilarious. And she's awesome, and I just love that kind of comedy that she does. So maybe both of them together would be a dream sandwich. (laughs) Well, that's pretty cool. Now, um, you know, we touched on this earlier. You touched on the whole, uh, you know, being on The Mentalist, which obviously is a big show on, on CBS now. What I'm curious about is the people that you work with so far, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of people you've talked about or just uh, you'd like to work with. Have you been starstruck with anybody that you've met? Like, have you had any of those, like, awkward moments that you hear about that fans talk about, oh, my gosh, I met this person and I I didn't know what to say? Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird because out here, like, they do their laundry and go get Starbucks, same as everybody else. Um, so that's not, you know, I haven't really, uh, when I was bartending and waiting tables, I've waited on Julia Roberts before. That was kind of weird. <laughs> you know, I would say that was, was, like? was kind of odd. She was delightful. She was too, her, her kids had to go to the bathroom. She was really, she was cutting through the kitchen to go take her kids to the bathroom. So, you know, they're real people and. You know, I've waited on Heather Locklear before. I've waited on, you know, in my bartending days, of course. So I don't, I mean, I guess I would get starstruck with somebody like Tom Hanks. That would be kind of cool to meet Tom Hanks, I think. Um, so that would be that would be my number one. I guess I would be starstruck with him. <laughs> Tom Hanks, wow. And, yeah. Let me ask you, um, you, so you waited on Julia or she was just happened to be in your restaurant? Like, were you her waitress? No, she was she was in the restaurant. I think I dropped off a basket of French fries for her and her kids. Oh, okay. So. I was going to ask you what kind of tipper she was because we've heard that a lot of famous people are notoriously horrendous tippers, so I was just kind of curious about that. Oh, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't know about the tip there on that one, but um, oh. I would like to think that she was very generous. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully. You know, like I said, we've heard hopefully. so many crazy <laughs> We've we've heard so many crazy stories as as quote unquote normal people about you know athletes being cheap and and you know professionals and et cetera et cetera. But you know one thing I'm, I'm curious about, uh, folks. Of course, yeah. we're here. Uh, we're joined by Laura Jean Salerno. For those of you who may just be tuning in, she's an up and coming actress. Remember the name, because one day <laughs> it's going to be up in lights. Laura, um, you you mentioned you know getting into the whole business and everything. What I'm curious about is how do you go about the process of finding an agent and getting representation. Because, you know, with a couple of the, the people that we have had on here, uh, the actors mm-hmm. and actresses, we've never really delved into that, and that's something that I'm curious. Like, how do you end up with an agent? How do you end up with, with working, you know, or having somebody to represent you and then giving you calls and say, hey, I got a part for you. What do you think about this? Exactly. Um, good question. Um, I was <laughs> of fortunate. Course. Great question. Well done. Um, <laughs> I was fortunate with uh, graduating from college. We do it. We do a showcase at the end of our college, um, and it kind of shops us around to, to bigger agencies in New York at the time because I was living over there um, in Jersey. Um, so of from course. that, I met. Uh, a manager who kind of took me under their wing and, and helped uh, facilitate some auditions in the beginning. I actually booked my fur, that feature, Tony and Tina's Wedding, the day of my college graduation. Um, oh, wow. So I literally, yeah, I literally had a cap and gown, like, in the car, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. i got to go walk because my parents are going to be pissed <laughs> if I <is> don't, awesome. <laughs> which was kind of cool. Um, and then from that, imagine. my manager, when I moved out to L.A., 
um, hooked me up with a couple different meetings as well. And from that, I got an agent and then changed management companies. So it is a rough, in the, it's a big catch-22 in the beginning. A lot of actors will tell you is finding good representation to kind of believe in you and get your work out and get you out right. there and help open those doors for yourself. Laura, what's your ultimate goal? Do you want an Emmy or an Oscar? I would like to work on a regular basis. <laughs> I would like to pay all of my bills and my parents' bills and my friends' bills by being an actor, and then I'm super, super happy. Um, um, that'd be awesome. I'd like, to, I mean, you could... I'd like to be on a show. That's, you know, I love television. If I can do film on hiatus, that's a bonus. Um, so I'm happy to work. Of course, great. of course. I, I, I and imagine. Laura, of course. Sorry, yeah. Joe, I, I got catch you off real quick. I just got to throw this out there. Um, while you're throwing all the money around, if you want to also pay some of our bills, I mean, we we wouldn't say no, just in case. Absolutely. You know, just... <laughs> Forward them my way. <laughs> <laughs> you got a child to put through college. I understand. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, there it's you go. rough. It's rough out there when you, when you got famous friends, you know, uh, hey, why, why not? Why not just you take that, take advantage of that? Exactly. <laughs> now, Laura, one of your pictures. I mean, we we do we do talk a lot about sports here on Pure Gold, but I'm looking at one of your pictures, and you have a Yankee hat. Don't tell me you're a Yankee fan. I am. Oh. That's <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan. Laura Jean Salerno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to hang up on you now because we're both oh, Mets fans no. and we loathe. I know loathe. you guys are Yankees fans. <laughs> no, we we detest the Yankees. You know, speaking of which, you mentioned Nick Swisher. Uh, his his wife is actually a uh, an actress also, and you know that, exactly. that's pretty cool. Exactly. I know. See, kind of. Uh, I'm hoping maybe one of them. They're all really really young, but if they're into having an older woman, I'm down. <laughs> Are you ever? Do you ever come back to Jersey, Laura? I do. I try. My parents are still there. My brother and his wife and the kids are still there. So I try to come back as often as I can. I'll be heading back in town. I think next month at the end of the month. So I do. I do miss it. I do love it. There's nothing like it. And you know, I got to get my hot girl fixed too. So yeah, there you go. Well, wow. exactly. The reason why the reason why I ask is because maybe next month we could have you in studio at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting as a, a live guest. Absolutely. I would love to come back. That would be amazing if I could. Thanks for thinking great. of that. Yeah, oh, of totally. Course. I mean, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're in the process of getting all that uh, taken care of and, you know, taking the show to the next level because uh, you talk about your goals and you talk about wanting to be working regularly. Well, our goal is just to have a show on, you know, uh, network somewhere where we're getting paid, we're making money, paying bills, paying your bills, it. paying everyone's bills. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's the plan. Uh, you know, that's our plan. And, uh, you know, it, it's pretty cool, I have to admit, that even though, I mean, we weren't friends in high school or anything like that, but even though, um, you know, knowing somebody and, and hearing, hey, you know, this person, oh, by the way, we went to high school with this person, and look at what she's doing or look at what he's doing. Exactly. So that's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty cool to know that there's somebody from like, – Clifton actually produced – Someone who has a great chance of being successful in the long Yay! term in Hollywood. I mean, that would be awesome because, as you know, not, not much good comes out of Clifton. Oh, man. oh we all got to scratch each other's back, right? I hope that it's all love, that everybody's rooting each other on, hoping. Oh, of course. Of course. What year did you graduate? 99? 99. Yeah. So the 99th like... episode, 99. 
There you go. That's yeah. uh, that's uh, a little ironic. Oh, wow. that. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Look at that connection for you. Wow. There you go. I hadn't even I haven't even thought about that, and that's interesting. And Laura, <laughs> let me ask you this one last thing. Can you believe that yes. it's been 13 years since we graduated high school? That makes me nauseous. <laughs> I think I think you guys Completely. should both go to the 15 year anniversary. Uh, you know, anniversary. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so. No, that's okay. frightening. <laughs> Looking through that yearbook is scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know it is. And then uh, they did the 10 year anniversary a couple years back, and that to me was like, eh, no, no, thanks. Uh, I, I didn't even I didn't even bother showing up for that, and I heard it was a big debacle. But you know, Laura. What's not a debacle is this interview, and we, you know, we wish you so much, nothing but the best of success, of course, and uh, we definitely want to keep in touch with you, so that way when you make it big and famous, yeah. and you know, you're, you you have your star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and everything else, you can, you know, you can remember your your old friends at uh, at Pure Gold while uh, you know we're of we're here course. doing our, uh, our our awesome radio show, and uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming. I really really appreciate it. Of course, absolutely. I have a new project coming up soon, so you guys will have to check it out. Um, my writing partner and I are doing uh, are, are launching our, our first film together that we're doing, and you can kind of check out that info on. We have an Indiegogo account, so it's a new feature that we're doing, and we're just making projects and getting things moving. So we're really excited what's about the, it. What's the feature going to be called? It's called the Alley. Uh, like a bowling alley. So if you guys check out Indiegogo and the site, if you type it in the search engine, it's called the Alley Film Fund. And we're actually in pre-production at this point, which is really super exciting. So we're getting ready to have a casting director come in and line producer and get things moving. Oh. We have some cast in play, and the script is pretty much finalized, and it's hopefully going to be festival bound. So we're really, really psyched. So Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, one of our last guests from two weeks ago, actually, she uh, she just told me yesterday that uh, her film it just got picked up for the uh, um, I forget the name of it. I don't know if it's a San Fernando or San San Diego film. I'd have to double check. I think it's a San Diego oh. film festival, but but that's pretty awesome. cool that uh, you know we have the uh, we we we're pure gold, so people come on our show and big things happen. Now, Laura, how can the fans follow you? So that um, you mentioned this this site for your movie, but how else can they keep in touch with you and uh, kind of get to know a little bit more about you? Completely, of course. Follow me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, and I have a Facebook fan page. You're welcome to kind of come on there and say hi. I would love it. I love tweets. It's good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twitter is definitely uh, is definitely an interesting uh, little vehicle there. But um, Laura, again, thank you so much. And by the way, it's the Santa Monica Film Festival that she had her movie awesome. in. So hopefully, you know. Oh, cool. You'll get your flick out there, too, and then we can check it out one of these days, have a little Clifton High reunion, and we can have all, all the people here in Jersey can watch it together and root you on. Absolutely. I would love that. It would be amazing. It would be good times. Laura, thank you so much for joining us, and, uh, you know, again, much success in the future, and we look forward to big things from you. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. Have a beautiful day. You, too. Thanks. Have a wonderful evening. Folks, that was the one and only Laura Jean Salerno joining us, a product, sir, a product of Clifton High School. And for those of you who possibly may just be tuning in, uh, we got a little, we got some promos here that we'd like to share for you uh, right about now. Hi, I'm Anna Prosser, Miss Oregon USA 2011 and professional video gaming personality. It's hard to define what I do, so I fit right in on the show that talks about anything and everything, Pure Gold Radio. 
Wow, that was a good one. But you know what, sir? We have another promo that we like to hear. Folks, we've, we've been after, i got to tell you, as a de facto producer of this show, I have been hounding our guests to get us these, uh, these sound bites, and it's been tough. It's been, it's been extremely difficult. But as we're now on uh, ultimatesportstalk.com, on top of puregoldpg.com, we need the fans to be able to know that what they're listening to, what the show's about, et cetera, et cetera. So let me play another little promo for you from one of our guests who I just happened to mention, Francesca Zapatelli, who happens to have her film that just picked up, uh, Ballerina I'm Not, that's going to be in the Santa Monica Film Festival in November. Let's check out what Francesca has to say about the greatest show on air. Check out Pure Gold Radio for a fresh take on sports and entertainment. David and Joe are informative, prolific, and funny. Enjoy a variety of guests and perspectives. Tune in to catch me live, pro wrestler, actress, producer, Francesca Zappacelli, at puregoldpg.com. There, you got to love those promos. I love Francesca's because it's so out there, the whole accent and everything, just just like when she was on the show. Got to love it. So I think we have to get Laura to uh, to record one of those for us also. Oh, my God. I mean, the only thing that amazes me is that, um, you went to high school with Laura, which is truly amazing. And the other thing, I, I just thought of it in my head. That's why I wanted her to say it and say it to the uh, audience about the whole 99. You guys graduated in 99, and this is our 99th episode. It couldn't have been a better time for her to be on the show. You're right, and that's interesting. I really hadn't thought about it, considering that I was talking about graduating in 1999, and this is our 99th episode. Like, what, 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 Out of all the quote-unquote things that can happen what are the odds of that happening i love the fact also that you know i told her about it and she was excited so yeah absolutely so we set it up as quickly as we could last week we had uh you know our guests and everything so so uh, today was the perfect time to have her on and of course we're uh you know we're thankful for that but since we had aaron mcdougall and bright lights on uh you know we had to schedule it for this week sir and of course we have the huge number 100 coming up next week that is awesome this is the penultimate episode leading up to the biggest show in the history of Pure Gold. And as a matter of fact, there's a good chance that we're going to have a, a guest, a past guest, joining us for a little bit. She was actually on our uh, one-year anniversary show, Miss Texas USA 2011, Ana Rodriguez. And as a matter of fact, um, I think this would be the perfect time to uh, to play that soundbite. Hey, this is Ana Rodriguez, Miss Texas USA 2011, and I want you to check out Pure Gold Radio at puregoldpg.com. You can listen in to their show every week with David and Joe. They are Simply Pure Gold. Yes, Anna, we are Simply Pure Gold. And I have to say, sir, that's my favorite, simply because Anna was the one who I said, hey, can you do this for me? Bam, did it immediately, literally sent it to me within minutes. And we re-recorded it because she didn't like the way that it came out. So it's stuff like that that I appreciate as, again, the de facto producer of the show and dealing with all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love when people make my life easier as opposed to making it so much more difficult. <laughs> there you go. You talk about the biggest show uh, coming up next week, our 100th episode, and no doubt it is the biggest show so far. And hopefully we got some surprises for you folks. But when we Hopefully. talk about, like, you know, I guess when we talk about the biggest show, we talk about the biggest pay-per-view. We talk about the biggest, you know, wrestling Event. spectacle of the year. We talk about WrestleMania. Sir? Of course. <laughs> where were you last night, by the way? You didn't watch Raw. Where were you? What was I doing last night? Um, you went no, to a Nets no game. Idea. Come on. 
Oh, you're right. Oh my God, I, it was such a it was such a wonderful experience. I completely forgot. Yes, as a matter of fact, you are correct. I got free tickets because I would never pay to go see the Nets. They lost to the Milwaukee Sucks, and I cannot believe it, sir. I absolutely cannot believe it. the Nets led the entire game. This is the most we'll ever talk Nets basketball, by the way, unless they get Dwight Howard. They led the entire game. We showed up late, got stuck in traffic. The Nets were up by like 12 points at the end of the first half, the first quarter. They were leading at half. They were leading at the end of the third quarter, and then at the end, boom, they fall apart and lose by about 10 points. The Nets are an absolute disgrace of a franchise, just like the Mets, sir. But yeah, I happened to be at the Nets game. It was great. It was fun. They they gave us those white inflatable sticks that make a lot of noise. I was annoying the crap out of everybody next to me, just making noise and smashing them together and just yelling like a complete idiot. I went with a whole group of people, so we were the loudest in an, an almost empty arena. We were definitely the loudest ones there. You're right, and that's probably the last time we'll be talking about the Nets, like you said, unless they get Dwight Howard. Or if, you know, the man decides to man up, Evan Roberts decides to come back on our show, which he hasn't been on for over, what, a year now. So we'll see what It's been about goes. a year since he, since he abandoned us. Yeah. So Evan is definitely not a friend of the show. And I have a feeling he's going to stiff us for WrestleMania, so getting back to that. Uh, Evan said he would come out to, to watch it with us, but I'm pretty sure he is full of it. Well, folks, we'll see where that goes. But anyway, last night we had Monday Night Raw on the road to WrestleMania from live from Cleveland, Ohio. We had some highlights from the show. I mean, we had the rock concert to end the show. We had John Cena's Thugonomics wrap-off to start the show. And, sir, oh, I love it. the John Cena that we saw last night is the John Cena that we love. I mean, this is the John Cena that we hope to have after WrestleMania, after he goes full-blown heel and just goes Thugonomics on us, because that is the John Cena we could get used to. Word life. That's all I can say. <laughs> sir, what, what what I'd like to talk about, sir, I'd like to touch on that. I, you brought up a good point, a great point, as you always do. Now, today I was listening to Justin Labar's show. Justin, of course, has many times over, has been on this show. He actually has the record for most appearances on the show. Since Pyro's part of the family, we don't consider him, uh, you know, as a guest anymore. But I heard a show this afternoon. He had Arda O'Cal on. Arda is very well known among the internet wrestling community. This guy was going nuts about how The Rock is phoning it in and he is stale. But Cena is fresh and different and in knocking all the promos out of the park. You know, Arda, um, I'm not sure if uh, how much wrestling you know. I mean, I think you know a little bit about wrestling. You have this show. What What I'd like to know is where in the world have you been? Where... In the world, have you been? Have you not seen what's been going on? Where have you been the last eight years? John Cena has been the exact same stale tool for the last eight years. That's why anything he does, absolutely anything that he mentions, any word life, basic thugonomics, I'm forcing you to feel me, untouchable, all that crap, all that garbage, that hot garbage that John Cena spews. It's different, and it's fresh because he hasn't done it in eight years. And that's the John Cena, like you said, Joe. That's who we liked. That's who we were interested in. I was a fan of his back when he was a heel, back when he was cutting those those pretty sweet raps like he did last night. Problem is, he's probably not going to go heel. That's a once in a you know, blue moon type of thing. And John is not stale. The character of John Cena is stale, so anything he does that different, of course you're going to love it and think it's great. But the fact of the matter is, folks, as I love to say, the facts are the facts and the numbers don't lie. Is The Rock stale? I don't think so. I love The Rock. Huge fan of his. He's one of the greatest ever, as far as I'm concerned, top five of the greatest wrestling entertainers, sports entertainers, performers, yada, 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 ever. One of the best on the mic. But, sir, let's be real about something. The truth is, The Rock 
the reason that people are saying that he's stale and they're going nuts about it is because they have short attention spans and shorter memories and smaller brains. Joe, this is the exact same shtick that The Rock did eight years ago when he was at the top of the world. When Rock made it to the big time, when he got up there, when he was the number one guy in wrestling with Stone Cold Steve Austin, et cetera, et cetera, the Rock was pulling this. He was talking about boots up butts, or as he likes to say, boots to asses, sticking this up your candy ass and this over here, this over there, making his juvenile pen, uh, penis jokes, mom jokes, et cetera, et cetera. Sir, that is the stuff that made The Rock famous. So what he's doing now is exactly what he used to do. So I don't know what people think he used to talk about. I know people don't have long attention spans or you know they have short-term memories. This is the same guy. He's the same exact character that he was when he was hot, when he was huge, when he was doing the, you know, that 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 uh, rock concert in uh, Sacramento, California. He was talking about the Lakers beating the Kings, et cetera, et cetera, with the Hurricane and the Hamburglar and Austin and WrestleMania 19. Joe, same guy, same shtick, same stuff, same everything. Nothing has changed. The Rock has not changed. He's not phoning it in. He's not mailing it in. He's doing what he did back then. But as I've always said, and I realize that I'm going on quite a rant, sir. But if Hulk Hogan from the '80s did the same thing then that he would, that he did that now, you and I would hate his guts. And we were huge Hulk Hogan fans, enormous Hulk Hogan fans, probably two of the biggest Hulk Hogan fans ever. I have a closet full of Hulk Hogan shirts, all right? But if Hogan did that same thing right now, we would think he's boring, we would think he sucks, we would think he's stale, just like John Cena. That Superman thing does not fly, sir. Now, before I turn this into an hour-long rant, what do you think about that? Well, you're right about that. I mean, you know, when we talk about Hulk Hogan... We were just, you know, kids, and, you know, the whole, like, now generation wasn't uh, around. So, you know, we got those those promos by Hulk Hogan. We loved them every week. And then, you know, we had a pay-per-view every four months. And and that's why I think that it never got stale, because it, it, he wasn't on every single week, like like wrestling is today. I mean, you have yeah. John Cena on every week, Monday yeah. night. So yep. it, there's Sometimes. a big difference. Yeah. Go ahead. No, sometimes he's on uh, Friday Night SmackDown, then you get the pay-per-views. He's on, you know, house shows. He's on five, six times. You can find him whenever you want. He's always – it's ridiculous how oversaturated it is right now. You're right. But um, honestly, I, I, I thought it was pretty effective, John Cena, last night. Um, he, he got his point across, even though his rap wasn't as long as, as uh, The Rock's concert to end the show. I thought that, you know, I thought he did a good job delivering the message in a rap, you know, the rap version of it. And I thought that he did a good job. He he, he did his thing. He left. He was a thug and um, you know, I had no problems with that actual promo. I didn't have a problem with the promo either. I liked the promo. It was good. Like I said it's a John Cena that we used to like, but getting back to the rock, I mean, I don't understand well I don't know what people think. I don't know what they expect from him. I don't know what they're what they think he used to do, sir. He he talks about he makes his penis jokes. He makes this joke. He makes that joke. Poontang pie. It's the exact same stuff that he used to do that people love, and the crowd is still eating up. So for guys like Ardo Cal and and you know Justin or whoever may be complaining about it, I mean, come on, this is the rock. This is who he is. This is what he does. People are hating on him, thinking he's this and that. Get over it. Rock, nothing has changed. The rock hasn't changed. Just your memory is not good. You don't remember that this is what he did. I have a Rock DVD, his entire career, you know, the epic journey of Dwayne Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. It's full of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I had no problem with the the, the Rock prom, the rock concert at the end of the show. I thought it was very entertaining. I, I didn't watch until uh, this evening because I didn't watch it live, but I didn't think it was bad. I mean, I thought that 
when we were discussing our production meeting about talking about John Cena's mom and his wife, I thought that he was actually ripping on him. I thought he did really good, and I was entertained. I know the crowd in Cleveland was loving it. So for people like Justin to say that it's not good or anything like that, I think that I don't know what they want. They expected The Rock, to be honest with you. I mean, like you said, The Rock is the same now as he was uh, eight or nine years ago. Yep, same as that character. Uh, Justin thought it was the, the segment went too long, and you know, like I said, Arda was going nuts about it. I know, jo- I know, Josh loved it, and he thought it was great. I thought it was great too. I mean, I thought it was funny. I thought it was entertaining. I thought the only part that was a little bit off was his uh, "We will rock you" at the end because he, he was kind of trying to catch up with the words. But other than that, I mean, it was great. You know, and that that doesn't that doesn't ruin it for me. I think people are way too critical. I think the internet wrestling community needs to needs to step back, needs to take a chill pill, calm down. Let things unfold. They're going well. You really can't have these guys get into a physical altercation before WrestleMania. So what else are they going to do? I just love the fact that The Rock has been on three straight episodes of Raw, to be honest with you. That is great. I mean, two other highlights that we could talk about that I know that I want to discuss with the audience and you. Again, if you want to talk about wrestling or anything else, it's 714-364-4721, Pure Gold, episode number 99. And, sir... When we talk about last night's Raw, I mean, the other big thing was um, between, you know, CM Punk and Jericho, where, you know, Jericho might not have been there live. He just talked about CM Punk's father, and, um, you know, their promos are getting really good week in and week out. I think that, you know, Jericho has gotten the better of Punk so far with these promos, and it's going to be just interesting to see. Obviously, their match will steal the show, but their lead-up has been really good so far. You're right, sir. You're absolutely right. It has been. It, it's definitely going to steal the show. There's no doubt about that. It was a great, great, great uh, segment last night. Now, my only issue with it, I know people have gone nuts about it. It's the greatest thing of all time, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought that the, the whole, and I did a little research on it, and I heard about it. Apparently, Punk's father really is an alcoholic, and so that, that's a real-life thing that he dragged into it. I thought Punk sold it a little bit too much. I thought it was it was a little... A little unrealistic, a little unbelievable, some of it. And people who, you know, sing the praises of Punk, I think Punk is great. I think he's awesome. I think he's one of the best uh, pound for pound, you know, in the ring, out of the ring, uh, on the mic. He's probably the best there is right now because Jericho hasn't been full-time in a very long time. Um, You know, he's just getting back into it now, and Triple H is on his way out. The Rock's not there. Cena, he doesn't do it for me. But I I thought he sold a little bit too much. I thought it was a little, kind of a little unrealistic, a little too much acting, sir, to be honest with you, his reaction to uh, Jericho's promo. Well, you mentioned it to me, so you might as well mention it to the audience because I think sometimes when we do our production meetings, you really get in-depth. I want you to tell what you told me uh, earlier this afternoon about the tattoos, how this is his new addiction. Break that down for me, sir. Oh, yeah. Well, you know... Chris Jericho mentioned it last night, and I honestly believe that this is the truth. I think Punk has mentioned it. He's kind of thrown it out in promos when he was first coming up in ECW, um, you know, either WWE version of ECW. I honestly believe that Punk took to the ta- – look, he's got, a, he's got a ton of tattoos, an absolute ton of them. Ever since he got into the WWE, he's gotten more and more and more and more, you know, his chest and everything. I mean, when he first started, he didn't have – his whole chest wasn't covered in tattoos. Um, but I think that Punk – you know, instead of being an alcoholic, he's addicted to tattoos. Instead of doing drugs, he's addicted to tattoos. I mean, look at the guy. That's not He's not normal what he has. I do have one or two, you know, whatever. My brother has one. Uh, my, my buddy, my best friend has two of them. But, I mean, it, it, it's gotten to the point where it, it, you look at him and you can tell that that's his thing. That's what he is addicted to. He has, he has tattoos on his fingers. He has letters tattooed on his fingers, drug-free. You know, so the whole... 
uh, throwing in the fact that the father's an alcoholic and that he's going to go down there and the sweet taste of liquor and all that stuff. I thought it was great. Punk's obviously okay with it. He probably thought of it himself. Uh, I think it's nice to throw a little real-life uh, things in there. But, uh, you know, to me, it's just it's interesting from a personal perspective. This guy may not be addicted to that, but he's obviously addicted to something else. You're right. I mean, like you said, this this match, like we said, this match is really going to be the, steel, the the showstopper, if you will. And when we mentioned the showstopper, the other, the other promo of the night was when HBK came out and called out The Undertaker. And then, you know, you had, the, you know, this nice interaction between Taker and, and HBK. But I think what's most interesting about this whole triangle with, you know, obviously HBK not in the match, but as a special referee, I mean, the question is going to be answered at WrestleMania, but no, I don't know if anybody's thought about it. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but let me know what you think. Like, Shawn Michaels is going to have to make a decision at some point at this match. He's going to have to decide if he wants Undertaker's streak to be over or is his ego so big that he doesn't want Triple H to do something that he couldn't and will he turn on Triple H or something to that effect where Undertaker keeps his streak? So it could go either way, sir. I don't know how, what they're, which way they're going to go. We could give our predictions. You know, the, the show before WrestleMania, obviously, definitely maybe. But um, do, you, do you like the, the idea that we're, we're going to be um, questioning it all the way up until the match and even during the match, whether or not HBK is going to help his partner, Triple H, or if he's going to keep the streak alive and help Undertaker win? Honestly, I don't like Sean's involvement in the match because, to me, I've said it before, I'll say it again, unless it's one, unless it's like a loser-must-die match, I don't care about this match. And Sean's involvement, to me, kind of cheapens it because, although I don't like Daniel Ziggler's streak, I think it's ridiculous. It's it's a big thing to him. It's a big thing to the fans. It's a big thing to everybody and to the WWE. So Sean, Sean can't, under no circumstances, can Sean cost Taker this match? Because, excuse me, if the streak ends and it's due to Shawn Michaels' interference and cheating and et cetera, et cetera, it's going to be cheap. People aren't going to like it. People are going to be like, what the hell is this crap, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're going to be upset. They're going to really they're going to really be, you know, foaming at the mouth. And it's going to cheapen this to 20-year streak and 20, et cetera, et cetera. I, they can't do it. Sean can't screw him. So Sean can't screw. He can screw Triple H, but if he's not going to wrestle, what's the point? And why would he want the streak to continue other than, like you said, the whole ego thing? So it's kind of like I think Shawn Michaels, as much as I love him and he's my all-time favorite, I think he muddies the waters to the point where it almost makes it unentertaining the fact that he's in this segment. Because if this is a triple threat, I'd love it. I would think it's a great idea. But since it's not, I mean, what's Shawn going to do? Super kick Taker. Taker's going to kick out. Uh, he's going to fast count. Taker's going to kick out. The super kicks Triple H, and Taker's not going to want that victory. I mean, it's just too many ways that this can go wrong. It's a hell in a cell. What is Sean going to do? What's probably going to happen is Sean's probably going to end up getting knocked out, and they're going to have to send out another referee. I mean, th- th- that's what I believe, sir. I mean, you are right. I mean, I, I just wish, and, and you mentioned, I just wish that Trip, um, I wish that HBK would just lace them up one last time. I like turtles. This this match would be awesome if it was a triple threat. I mean, I would actually look forward to this match. Joe in than... Wallington, what's up, Joe? Thank you, Mike. I didn't know Mike was on the show tonight. When were you going to tell me? Mike is always on the show. He's always waiting to come on the show. But like I said, like you said, um, what's the name of your show? Uh, pure gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. Okay. HBK. Uh, uh, you have H- a show on the internet? Yes, I do. 
What's it called? And we, out of your home. Shit. <laughs> out of my home. Somebody <laughs> oh, call security and get my princess out of here, please. You were saying? Wait, Wait a second. What is the point? <laughs> uh, we need security. We need security now. <laughs> but, um, sir, like you said, if 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 the only way this match would be good is if they had triple a triple threat match, and I, I guess you know HBK doesn't want to wrestle ever again. But you know I wish they gave him like a million dollars and said, come on, one one last match. This this would be the match I would be looking forward to more than any other match. To be honest with you. Really, I don't I don't understand. You mean if he was wrestling? Yes. Oh, of course. I, then yeah, I agree. I would obviously be looking forward to, it, but since he's not, what do I care? Yeah. That's, that's my whole issue with it. My issue with it is what, what is Sean's? What is the point of having Shawn Michaels in there? And I know that I'm not the only person who feels that way. Why is Shawn in this match? I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a mistake, and I don't know what the heck he's going to do. So what's the point? You know, he can't. He can't screw Triple H. He can't screw. Uh, you know, because he's not going to wrestle. He can't screw the Undertaker. It's like there's no payoff. So what's the point? It's the same reason that I've always hated uh, Steve Austin being the guest referee in like 85 WrestleMania matches. Austin's not going to wrestle, so who cares? Well, what do I care that he's the guest referee of some random match? And like last year with uh, Lawler and Cole, and, and his inter- his involvement meant absolutely nothing because they ended up reversing the decision anyway. So, Or Mick Foley doing his guest referee. It's, it's stupid to me. It's absolutely stupid. Right. And total sidebar, I mean, I was just thinking about this. Sometimes, well, most of the time, I'm, we're pretty bad with our predictions at WrestleMania. Is there any chance, sir, and I don't know if anybody's talked about it on the shows, you, you would have to tell me, but is there any way that Daniel Bryan retains the title due to interference by a Brock Lesnar interfering with the Sheamus match? No. No, definitely no not. He's, that's not going to happen. They're not going to set up Brock Lesnar and Sheamus because I don't think Brock is going to want to wrestle until sometime next year So if he's going to wrestle. So I, I, that, there's no chance of that happening. All right. I'm just wondering because I, I still think that one of those two champions – will retain at WrestleMania. But other than that, so is there anything else about wrestling that we haven't really touched upon tonight? There's one thing I'd like to discuss. I'd like to get your take on it as, uh, as we're heading towards uh, the closeout of the show. But, of course, before I do that, I mean, you know, we went weeks of only playing the Brittany Brandon and Amber Joy Watkins promo, so we're going to get as many in as possible today, and here's another one. What's up, everyone? This is Bright Lights' Jared Foster, the man of a thousand bulbs and Mr. Entertainment himself. A reoccurring guest, nonetheless, on Pure Gold Radio. And what I want you to do is check out my friends, Dave and Joe, as they deliver nonstop entertainment week after week with amazing guests discussing everything from wrestling and sports to entertainment. You name it, it's talked about, and it's only talked about in one place. Pure Gold Radio. And you can find them at puregoldpg.com. That's puregoldpg.com. What did you think about that there? You can't beat that kind of plug. I mean, hopefully you didn't pay him too much money because we have a tight budget here on Pure Gold. No, of course not. That was definitely some good stuff, folks. And as we're, you know, we're, again, we're heading out to the, the close out of the show, the last couple of minutes. Um, I have one more thing I'd like to rant on before you touch on, on the, your, your two things. Uh, going back to Justin's show, um, he talked about this. He wrote an article about it on BleacherCreatureReport.com, scum, pure scum. He went on this whole thing about how uh, Sting is not an icon. I got to tell you, I totally disagree with him. And, again, I love Justin, love his take. Well, you know, appreciate him on the show. He's great. We'll have him on again. But to me, 
Sting is an icon. He is the WCW icon. You know, Justin has a problem with his longevity, and that's the only reason people think. Let's be honest about something. You know, Ric Flair was NWA, and then he transitioned to WCW. He was also known for his, you know, his time, brief time in WWE, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Flair made his name in NWA and WCW. Sting is WCW through and through. He came in at the very end of the NWA. His entire career, basically, was WCW. He held about six times. He was a WCW World Heavyweight Champion six times when that belt actually meant something. Let's be real. Uh, you know, Sting doesn't need me to defend him, but I don't understand how any smart fan can look at his career, what he did in WCW specifically. He has the standard of WCW. He's the standard bear. He's the biggest name to ever come out of there and never work for Vince McMahon. You know, Road Warrior Animal said that he needs to uh, work for Vince to be considered an icon. I don't buy it. He is the icon of that company. You know, Justin even mentioned today that he didn't even think that Ric Flair would be on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. He said, uh, you know, you'd have Hogan, Andre, Vince, and uh, and Austin. That would be the Mount Rushmore. You know, you're, you're going to tell me that you, you wouldn't put Ric Flair in the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? To me, you know, Justin's credibility takes a hit with that. You know, and again, he, he told me on Twitter that, you know, we were entitled to our own opinions, and, you know, he likes the fact that I have an opinion, so we agree to disagree. But honestly, how could you not put Ric Flair on the Mount Rushmore, and how could you think that Sting is not an icon? Sting is a legend, six-time WCW champion. This is not Booker T at the end, you know, when WCW was, was, a, was a show of its former self. Sting was the champ in the heyday of the company when the belt was meaningful. Back when Ron Simmons became the first African-American champion, back when that belt meant everything, he was the man. And he's remembered from WCW. He's one of the biggest names, if the biggest name, to ever come out of that company. I know you wouldn't put him in your top whatever, top 30 or top 20, or what, but I would put him up in my top 15. He's in there, one of the greatest of all time, an absolute icon, and the WCW icon. Sir, what do you think about that? Oh, uh, is that all? Is that all? No, wait, no, no, wait a second, no, wait a second, David. Wait, David, David. First of all, first of all, wait, first of all, wait a second. Wait a second, David, for a second, let me stop. Wait a second. That's you know, you touched on some good things about Sting, and the way I compare, the way I see Sting is that throw away all the stuff that he's done in TNA because he's a joke. I mean, he's actually a joker in, on TNA, and I think that what they've done to him is, is a sham. But you're right about Sting being in WCW. He is an icon of WCW. He, you know, WCW was like the the diet cola of the WWF back in the day. So if you compare Hulk Hogan to Sting, that's what Sting was. He was the Hulk Hogan of WCW. He carried the company as the main babyface for years, and he kept that title. Um, you know, he beat people like Flair and Vader and Lex Luger. Those are some big-name guys there back in the day, and I think Sting really did a great job carrying the you know, the baby face, the Hulk Hogan of WCW. I think he did a great job. So, yes, sir, To this, uh, I'm definitely going to have to disagree with Justin on this one. Sting is definitely an icon, and he will always be an icon, especially in WCW. I just don't understand that. Honestly, honestly, do not. I just don't get it. I don't get yeah, anybody can look at Sting's body of work and look at what he did in WCW and how important he was in WCW. And then to say he didn't work for WWE, who cares? I love the fact that he didn't work for the WWE. I just had to throw that out there. I had to get that off my chest. I know we have two points to touch on in the last few minutes, sir, and I could rant on this for 20 more minutes. But I thought that was – he needs a, Justin needs a stinger death drop 
Scorpion Death Drop through a table, and he needs to get a Stinger Splash in the corner, and then he needs to get put in the Scorpion Death Lock until he taps out unmercifully and passes out. Joe, but, what else do we yeah. have? But the bottom line about this whole debate is that some people started watching wrestling during the Attitude Era, and they, you know, they don't understand before the Attitude Era was a different era, and that's when Sting really was flourishing. Yeah, he was pretty big in the Attitude Era, but he was really big in WCW before the Monday Night Wars, before the whole like competition between the two companies. So, you know, I, I would like to see where Justin actually started to watch wrestling and then start the debate from there, because if he started watching it during the Attitude Era, I could see his point saying that Sting is not an icon. But you need to watch Sting before the Attitude Era, sir. I'm pretty sure he he's about our age. I'm pretty sure he did watch uh, during that era, sir. So I, again, I, I just don't I don't want Justin to smoke him, but it's obviously some bad stuff. All right. Well, we'll, we'll definitely hopefully get Justin on before WrestleMania, or right after WrestleMania, to talk about the biggest pay per view of the year. But sir, just actually three bullet points. Just one that will only last about thirty seconds. I'll just li- like to say that for as big as Linsanity was, it's it's come crashing down on the New York Knicks, and every team now plays really hard against the Knicks, and the Knicks have just fallen apart completely. The question now becomes, do they make the playoffs? Does D'Antoni have a job after this year? And does Carmelo and Amari Starmer, could they coexist with Lynn Sanity? All questions to remain, you know, I'm not a fan of the Knicks, but that's your mess because you're a Knicks fan. I just want to let you know that Lynn Sanity is pretty much dead and buried. What do you think, sir? Should they trade Carmelo Anthony? Because, uh, they're like two and eight since he came back, and they're quite a few games under five hundred with him on the team since they traded for him. I mean, this—I mean, Carmelo Anthony's a great scorer, but that seems to be it, and he—he he hasn't helped this team. So, what would you do? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I—I I, I really would play. I wouldn't trade him right now. I would just finish out the season and see how this team finishes out. Maybe they—they they get on a roll and they—you know—they get into the playoffs and maybe win a series. I'm not too sure, but I, I, tomorrow's the training deadline, by the way. So we'll see if Carmelo I, – I don't think Carmelo gets traded, to be honest with you. I think what's going to happen is the Knicks are going to be a 500 team right around that area. They're not going to make the – I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think D'Antoni is going to be fired. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Riley is not coaching this team next year with this team intact and see how far he could go with this team. Yeah, uh, I heard that there's a possibility that Phil Jackson – for some reason I keep wanting to say Phil Collins – if Phil Jackson might want to uh, coach this team, that would be quite interesting to have Phil the pill on there, sir. Yeah, from one disaster to another, sir, because we'll, we'll leave Peyton for the last couple minutes. Real fast, the Mets. I mean, we, we want to be optimistic about this team. We talk about spring training and spring, etern- you know, you know, we talk about how everything is brand new in spring training and everything's going to be decent. The Mets are going to have a decent year. They're all healthy. And now all of a sudden, Ike Davis gets some kind of weird fever, uh, you know, David Wright is hurt with his rib cage. I mean, the the list goes on and on. This team, I know you don't like jinxes, but this team is already floundering, and the season hasn't even started. It's unbelievable. Sorry, it's it's an absolute joke. I don't even I don't even understand it. I don't understand how in the hell this type of stuff happens, sir. You know, I, how how do the Mets how do they live with themselves? How do they sleep at night? How does this team get these ridiculous injuries? Tahad is injured now. Wright is injured. Uh, I mean, Tim Burdak is going to be out for who knows how long. You know, when Tim Burdak makes a big headline for the team, that that's a huge blow to your your depth on the team. Then you know you're in trouble. And I don't even understand how fans care about the Mets right now. I don't understand how anybody cares about this team. We hate the Yankees. That's fine. But how, at least the Yankees are, are, are exciting if you're a fan. How, how does any Mets fan 
any self-respecting human being sit there and say, wow, I can't wait for spring training or, you know, to be over, the season to start. I can't wait for next year. I can't wait for 2013 when maybe the Mets will have a chance at being something other than a 20-game under 500 club. Right. I mean, the biggest question is going to be, how many pieces can the Mets sell off during the season? And hopefully that these the guys like Santana, Wright, get healthy and get hot, and then they can actually trade these pieces because the Mets are a disaster. And they, you know, the last couple of years have been tough to be a Mets fan, to be honest with you. And it's, it, you know, to, to have these injuries and these weird fevers in spring training is just it's it's awful. I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't get any worse than that, sir. So the, I guess the biggest question will be for us is how are we going to be able to fill time and content during the longest, you know, baseball is probably the longest sport in terms of length. It starts in April and it goes all the way through October. If we're not going to talk Mets, I don't, we're not going to be talking Yankees, that's for sure. we got to find something else to talk about. Yeah, I honestly don't know, sir. I don't know what the <laughs> yeah. hell we're going to do with this team. I mean, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be ugly, sir. It's going to be as ugly as what uh, my daughter poops out of her diaper because there this is go. going to be an absolute disgrace. I mean, this seems a joke, but, sir, what, what are we going to talk about? I guess we're going to have to go check out some Somerset Patriot games together and do pure gold remotes <laughs> from, from their skyboxes because I can't imagine we're going to be talking about baseball. You're right. And, you know, what's not been a disgrace is this episode tonight, episode number 99, folks, episode number 99, which is incredible to talk about, pure gold. One last topic before we close out the show and we plug out our, our 100th episode next week, sir, is this whole Peyton Manning sweepstakes have begun. I mean, this guy is traveling from team to team, meeting with different teams. He was in Miami. He was in Denver. I mean, if he goes to Denver, I'll be really shocked. I still think he's going to end up in Arizona. It's you know, it's definitely a toss-up. Um, he's not going to end up in San Fran, it looks like. But um, it's great to see that Peyton Manning is um, you know a positive trend as opposed to a negative trend. Um, I just think that he's going to end up with a team, obviously, that's, that's going to want to win a Super Bowl in the near future. Do you have any preferences or predictions on where Peyton might end up? Yeah, I hope he ends up as the backup quarterback for Eli Manning. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, I, I say keep him in the AFC so he can cost the Jets another title next year. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I mean, he might end up in Denver, might end up in Miami. He might end up uh, starting pitcher for the New York Mets. I mean, who knows, sir? I, I, you know, his press conference to me showed what type of a class act he is. It shows exactly why I like the guy, why I respect him, why I think he's the, the, one of the best quarterbacks ever, and he's my, he's my favorite football player. Uh, I just think he's awesome. He, sir, he cried over the equipment people. He was che- tearing up. He was choking up. This is a guy who loved being in Indianapolis, and I hope that his career would have ended there. He would have been able to have his entire career there. But, man, sir, he, he's a legend. He's an icon, just like Sting is an icon. And uh, I tell you, he he's a class actor and through what what he did, the way he handled that press conference gets gets nothing but respect from me. Yep. And as as the months go along, we'll definitely be talking about more NFL updates. Our good friend Todd will be giving us some NFL updates between the combine, between the draft. We'll be talking about some football as we come along. And again, we are on the road to WrestleMania, so we've been discussing that a lot more than any other thing else. Uh, anything else, sir? Um, as we wrap up, sir. Episode number nine, 99, was pure gold. Let's hope episode number 100 is just the same. Absolutely, sir. And folks, we'd like to thank Laura Jean Salerno for coming on. She was an awesome guest, an amazing guest, a wonderful guest. I, I retweeted it on Twitter um, to support her film. Go check it out, Indiegogo. Um, it's called The Alley. Please, again, check out the Twitter. And uh, we leave you with this as we close out the show. 
Hi, I'm Anna Prosser, Miss Oregon USA 2011 and professional video gaming personality, and you're listening to Pure Gold Radio. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure (laughs) Gold. Good night, everyone. Woo! Check out episode 100 next week.